1, if you would, Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse number 1. Father in heaven, uh, Lord, we come before you now to ask again that you'd help us while we preach to these people. And Lord, unless the Spirit of God guides and directs through the Word of God, they'll go home empty. But Lord, if you'll come, Lord, they'll leave full. I pray, God, today that you'd help me to love you more than these people. To love you more than my wife and love you more than my children and my grandchildren. I pray, God, that this church would love truth. Amen. That we would rejoice in the truth. Heavenly Father, we're living in rough times, but nothing that you haven't told us would be here. I'm thankful, God, today that you've made a way through your son's blood to be reconciled to you, to be saved, born again of the Spirit of God, made a child of God, reconciled to you, justified. I'm thankful for that. Lord, help me to preach the truth in love today. I pray you help my attitude, even my eyes and my facial expressions to not do anything that would hinder somebody from receiving the truth. I pray God the Holy Spirit would take over this message and Lord you know that I I am in fear and trembling and Lord uh, wanting to be sure about what you want me to preach but I believe God this is it so I pray you help me and Lord I pray just put a good spirit on this service right now ask you God to bind the devil keep him off of this property ask you God to give us divine protection and divine uh, Lord assistance today God, I pray that we'd magnify the truth, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I tell you what, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, and uh, I want us to read here for a while. We're going to read just for a little while here, and then we're going to go over to Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, and then Psalms 138. Uh, Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. I want you to underline the word subtle. Uh, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, and underline this in your Bible, yea, hath God said. That's the first utterance of the devil recorded in the Bible. You shall, he said, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. And I want to focus mostly today on these verses, but particularly verse number five in a phrase within verse number five, where it says, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, that's pretty presumptuous of the devil, isn't it? That your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as gods, little g, gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. The eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They heard, boy, I tell you what, I get, I just read the Bible and so many things just keep, comes in. There's false religions that wear aprons. I mean, know that. 
I'm going to tell you right now, you, you want, I'll just tell you flat out, you want to you find out what's wrong with Mormonism, Church of Latter-day Saints, you read Genesis 3. Amen. I mean, they, that thing is taken straight out of Satan's playbook. But anyway, verse number eight, they heard the voice of the Lord to God walk in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And that's what a man, lost man does. He hides himself from God. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, here's something you ought to ask yourself. Where art thou? Somebody needs to preach on that. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid. Fear will come with sin. Because I was naked, I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me the tree and I did eat. Uh, you start seeing the first blame shifting right there. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? The woman said, the serpent. And here's a word, beguiled. Now tonight I'm going to do something different. We're going to put up on the board dozens and dozens of verses on deceit and deception and being deceived. Just scripture. It's unbelievable. And we're going to do that tonight. Now, I want you to go over and look at verse number 24 in that same chapter. And um, we'll know verse number 21. I'm sorry. Verse number 21. And Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. That's when God saved them. Now, uh, I want us to go to Revelation 22, verse 18 and 19. And then we're going to go to Psalms 138, verse 2. Now, the first thing Satan did, and, and this is so foundational to your life. Everybody in here, I, I don't care where you're at on your spiritual journey, or if you're lost, or if you're just a new Christian or you've been saved a long time, the thing that you're going to deal with most in life is deception. Every day of your life, you're going to deal with deception. Deception is the name of the devil's game. And, and everything that you're going to deal with and decisions that you make, things that you believe or don't believe are going to be determined by the level of deception or truth that you have in your heart and in your mind. That's just a flat out truth of it. Now, in Revelation 22, now watch this. We're at Genesis chapter 3 in the beginning of the Bible. Satan attacks the Word of God. We're going to talk about how he twisted it, how she took it out. And they, they, they added and took away from the Word of God in Genesis 3. I just read you. I'll show that to you in a little bit. They added and they took away from the word of God. Look at Revelation 22, the last thing nearly God says in the Bible. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, that if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. And out of the holy city and from the things which are written in the book. So you start in Genesis chapter 3 with an attack on the Word of God. You say, what was, what was her Bible? Genesis 2.16 was the Word of God she had. Okay? Having no more than that, the whole issue became a deception about what God's Word said. Now, deception has several layers to it. So, she's, so, he, so they add and they take away. Let me just say, go to Psalms 138, verse number 2. So you see this in Genesis and you see at the end of the Bible, you see at the beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible, that ought to tell you something. Yeah. That the whole spiritual warfare thing is about deception concerning the Bible, Amen. God's Word. Now remind yourself that deception comes in various flavors. Now you listen to me, I, you all know this, this church, we believe the authorized version Bible is the Word of God, preserved Word of God. Amen. We don't use any other Bible. Now, but you, you can use an authorized version Bible and deceive yourself. Right. 
Just because you've got a real Bible in your lap doesn't mean that you can't be self-deceived. Now watch Psalms 138, verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Why? For thou hast magnified what? Thy word. Thy word. Where? Did you know that God magnifies this book, his word, above his own name? There's a reason for that. Because everything hinged on the curse and the fall of man on somebody monkeying with the word of God. And God says it's so serious that he puts the last thing he tells us. You know, the last thing your mom or your dad might tell you, you'd say that pretty important. Last thing they want to tell you on this earth. Last thing God says, don't mess with my word. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Yeah. It is serious business. And because of that, now, everything that you're seeing going on in America right now, all the stupid stuff, is based out of Genesis 3. Yeah. We're going to look at this one. Now, let me just say this to you. Eve, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1, you can put that back up on the board, guys. And I want to say how much I appreciate the men back there putting up with this wild preacher, going hither and yonder and trying to get them. But you do a good job. Eve added to God's word once. In verse number three, she said this, but the fruit of the trees, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, lest ye, neither shall ye touch it. God had not said that. God did not tell her not to touch it. She added to the word of God. We say that don't seem serious. It was serious to God. I, I, have, I have a will. I have a trust. I don't want you changing it. You don't want me changing yours. If you had a last will and testament and I say, hey, give that to me for two or three days. I'll bring it back to you. But I'm just going to change a little bit of it. You say, no, you're monkeying with my will. This is God's last will and testament. You don't mess with it, even though it may look innocent. Now, Eve subtracted from the word of God twice. She added to it once and she subtracted to it twice in, from verse number, chapter two, verse 16. She left out the word freely. Hmm. And she left that, and then she changed something. She said, she said to the devil, lest ye die, instead of surely die. Big difference. Lest is kind of like, it might be a possibility. When God had said, you shall surely die. So she added to it, and then she took away from it. Now, she mangled the word of God. Now, I want you to take your Bibles, I want you to put up 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It goes ahead and says in that chapter, watch this. I don't know how far we're going to get with this message today. Well, we're going to have a good time. Amen. How many ready to have a good time with the Word of God? Amen. All right. How many going to make up your mind? I ain't going to get mad because he preaches the Bible. How many is amen? I'm going to be happy. I'm going to rejoice in the truth. How many is going to rejoice in the truth? All right. Are you ready? First Corinthians chapter 14, verse number uh, 34 and 35. Now, how many knows that, now watch this, say, Adam, the Bible's taught in Genesis that Adam's to be the head of the house and rule over his wife. Is that not right? That's Bible. I don't care how, what you think about it. That's what God's word says. Okay. And people don't like it. What, look what God said. And by the way, Timothy talks about church. We'll, we may get a chance to look at that. Let your women keep silence in the churches. You don't hear a preacher preach that nowhere. Did I hear a voice? <laughs> Watch this. For it is not permitted unto them to speak. Are you ladies getting mad at God now? You're going to get mad at God? I heard a wimpy little old deal. God, I, I've come up on my Facebook. I mean, one of them backward collar dudes sitting on the view program with what's her name? Telling them uh, how important it was to have women preachers. Wow. 
And he went all through these old, I mean, about prophetesses and all this stuff, you know, but he never touched what the Bible said in the epistles about it, what God said about it. Watch this. If it's not been to speak, they're commanded to be under obedience. They'll say the law. If they'll learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. Don't go to the preacher. Don't call the preacher up and say, preacher, I'd like to know. No, no, talk to your husband. You say, he don't know anything about the Bible. Well, maybe he would if you'd talk to him right about it and say, honey, I don't want to go to Reg. He don't know nothing. I want to ask, ask you. That's good preaching. Amen? Amen. God knows what's best for you and your home and your marriage. Command to be obedient. Say, they will learn anything. So, I mean, but you know what? They in the church in the country practices this. Amen. There's some individuals that do, but there's not churches that do. All oh, the angels are flapping their wings saying, we're having church now. We're having church now. All right. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, you women, I love you. My mama's a woman. My wife's a woman. My daughter's a woman. I love women. Amen. I love women. Don't get, don't, don't get all bent out of shape with God. I wish I would tell you something. This is the church of the living God. Amen. This is not the world. We don't live like the world, think like the world, act like the world, nothing. I don't want to be like the world. Amen. Now, this is a true saying, if a man offers, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires the good work. For a bishop must be then blameless. Well, that knocks me out. Husband and one wife, I got that one. Vigilant, don't have that one. Sober sometimes. Of good behavior, never. Given a hospitality, happy to teach. Given a wine, not, not given a wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler and covetous. One that rules well her own household. Having her children, no! What if I just change one little old word? For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? You know what it's telling you there? That a man is supposed to lead the house of God. Amen. Let's go to Second Timothy, the First Timothy chapter two, verse number eleven. First Timothy chapter two, just back up one chapter. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. <laughs> That's the Bible. Now, we're going, to, we're going to get into some things more about this. But I suffer a woman not to teach. Nor do you suffer authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Watch this. Go back to Genesis. Watch this. Go back to Genesis. Chapter 3. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not, what's the word? Deceived. deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. It's the continued faith and charity with holiness and with sobriety. Now, I, I, I put that up there because there's a reason that your forefathers set this country up like they did. In the early part of the century, it was a time when women did not vote in this country. And if I don't know women with suffrage marching the streets, you know, with their sign and, and, and all. And boy, we got women, women can vote. Well, your, your, your grandpas weren't a bunch of male chauvinists and hated their wives. Amen. They, they believed in representative government and that the husband was the head of the home and that he and his wife and their family would talk about the election, how they'd vote, and the man would go vote representing the family. Amen. It wasn't about being women. We don't like women. We don't want you voting. We don't want you having to say nothing. Let me tell you something. Women are very, very influential about whatever a man does. Don't you ever think that does? In fact, the greatest power is the underneath power. That's a fact. Last week we preached on the curse and the fall of sin. And there is no way to understand or comprehend or respond rightly to all the evil, the grief, the suffering, the pain, the misery, the treachery, the greed, the hatred, the, the cruelty, the death that's in the world. 
unless you know about the fall of man and the, cur- and the resulting curse of it. The Bible calls it the law of sin in Romans chapter 8, verse number 2. The spirit of life, the law of spirit of life, Christ Jesus, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. There's a law called sin and death. Sin that wages of it, the end of its death. Without the knowledge of the curse and sin and the fall, you just wonder. People are groping in darkness and don't know why it's like it is. And that's what the preacher last week. Now, how does Satan operate? We're in Genesis chapter 3, and I'm going to say this to you. At 41 years of preaching, I consider this to be probably the most important chapter in the Bible to understand what's going on in this world. Now, the first thing you need to understand is Satan is a deceiver. He is out to deceive the whole world. In fact, Revelation says he deceives the whole world. The Bible said the serpent was more subtle than any. In Revelation 12, verse 9, the Bible said he deceives the whole world. In Revelation 20, he that deceiveth the world. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, and verse number 14, talks about Satan being a deceiver. Now, here's the first thing we need to learn from this text of Scripture. And let's just make this a big Bible class this morning. Let's really learn how our enemy... By the way, let me say something to you. Satan hates me. He hates you. He hates your marriage. He hates your wife. He hates your husband. He hates your children. He hates freedom. He hates truth. He hates it all. He hates this church. So how's he going to attack us? With deception. But here's the first thing he'll do with the deception. It's called doubt casting. If you want to write it down. Doubt casting. Yea, hath God said... He just cast, just, just question the word of God. Is that really what God said? Now, there's a lot of things to that. The planting of a question, by the way, I may know that professors in college know this one of the most powerful ways to turn a, ch- to a student's mind is to plant a question. Amen. There used to be a statement during the hippie days they'd put out, hippies would put this out, question authority, question authority, question authority, question authority. And this has so invaded the church, it's unreal, invaded homes and lives. He questioned first the authorship of the Bible. Yea, hath God said. Was it God who wrote the Bible? I could not tell you the number of times I've had people tell me, well, that's just a man written book. No, it's not. Amen. It's inspired by Almighty God. He used men to put it in, in writing, but it's God's word. Amen. Now you say, well, I don't believe it. You'll be first in line to hell. For the fearful and unbelieving will have their part in the lake of fire which burneth forever and ever. The fact that you deny that right there tells me you've already been deceived by the devil. This is the word of God. It is preserved forever. Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will not pass away. People say man wrote the book. The second thing that that, uh, he'll cast on is authority. Ye shall be as gods. What the deal is, when Satan casts doubt upon the Word of God, it's what happens to it. When you begin to let that seep into your mind and heart, what he's doing in his deception is removing God's authority over your life. That's the game. It's not intellectualism. He makes you think it is. He'll make you think, you, 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 you're really, you know, you're smart. You've really got it together. You believe in evolution. What he's doing, his whole game is in saying, yea, hath God said, is not only to attack the authorship that God said it, but the authority with that comes with that authorship. If you don't have this book as your final authority, you are groping in darkness. And by the way, if you claim to be saved today, I want to ask you a bald faced question. Is this book truly and honestly, not in lip, but in life, the authority for your life in every matter of life, faith and practice. You need to ask yourself, you ask yourself, be honest. Just ask yourself, is that Bible, is it an authority over my life? 
You say, nobody tells me what to do. Well, you've already bought Satan's lie because that's exactly what Eve bought. He convinced her that she could do her own thing. There's nobody that God didn't have a right to tell that God didn't have any authority. When God, when Satan attacks, yea, hath God said, when he attacks the Bible, what he's really doing is moving you from out from underneath the authority in a very practical way. So you can say, well, you know, this, and so you hear all this stuff. Well, some of it's uh, maybe some of it's the word of God and some of it's not. And this book here, we read about this and you read all these notes and so and so. And uh, we don't know if he wrote this and wrote that. And that was a mistranslation. And that was a bad translation. And you really can't know unless you go back to the Greek and Hebrew. God has preserved his word. It's right here. You need to make up your mind. Is it your authority? And I want to tell you something. If it is not your authority, not just in your, you might say, oh, it is here in church house. But I want to ask you, when you walk outside of this church, when you live your life this week, is this book your authority? You need to ask yourself that question. Doubt casting of the authorship and the authority of God's word. And then the third thing is the accuracy. I mean, he questioned the accuracy. This is the whole deal. The same thing today. This is the whole scheme and the satanic attack on the word of God. Statements like, that was an unfortunate translation. That was a mislanced translation. Well, I believe in inspiration, but I don't believe in preservation. You don't really believe in nothing. God has placed his word above his own name. Now, you listen to me. If he's placed his word above his own name, then if the book's not right, he's not right. What, the, what it is, here it is again, the attack Satan made was an attack upon the authority of God and on the character of God. Because God said he would preserve it. He said, heaven and earth pass away, my word not pass away. And if God is a liar, Satan's whole deal is to deceive you into thinking God has lied. And, he's not, and if he has, he's not God. Yeah. Then the fourth thing that this whole thing was, was acceptability. Now, this is big because it's easy for you and I to say, well, I believe in blah, 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 blah. I believe and I get up here and preach, blah, blah, blah. I've seen preachers get up and preach in the pulpit about how they believe the Bible and then talk to them in private and they start telling me about all the mistakes the Bible's got in it. But I would never preach that, Reg, because I don't want to hurt people's faith. You're a liar. You're a deceiver. You won't even preach the truth that you claim in your heart. Right. The acceptability. Now, we want to mean by acceptability. Well, that means I can pick and choose what parts I like. That means if I like this passage or I like that or I like that, but if I don't like that, I don't have to take it. So they twist it, rewrite it, pick and choose. Then the fifth thing is the application of it. You can hear, but you don't have to obey. The Bible says, be here, not hearers only, but doers of the word. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. There's the word deceiving your own selves. That's the book of James. So God says, I want you to understand the authorship of it. I want you to understand the authority of it. I want you to understand it's accurate. I want you to understand that you, it needs to be accepted, received into you by faith. And it needs to be applied to your life. Because if you don't apply it when you go out of here, this whole experience of you coming to church today was a joke. Amen. So after deception and after the doubt casting, Satan comes into a blatant denial. Look at verse number four. It's up on the wall there. Look at verse number four. The serpent said unto the woman, once he got her, watch this, once he got her into questioning the authority, the accuracy, the, all that, he outright denied it. You shall not surely die. In total contradiction to what God had said. Now the Bible says in John eight forty four that Satan is a liar and the father of it. And he lied right there. He was lying from the get go. And you need to understand something. 
Whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever battles you may be having is probably a spiritual warfare going on that you're struggling, temptation, trial, whatever. It's a spiritual warfare going on and Satan's going to whisper little yea hath God says into your ear. And he's going to try to take you out from underneath the authority of the word of God and he's going to try to take you out from the human authorities in your life. You kids really, you may not say, oh, you I'm telling you something. God gave you your mother and your father, and they're, here, they're your human authorities. You know, and unless they're violating, asking you to violate the word of God, you need to, you need to be under that authority because there's protection for you under that authority. All right? I'm going to tell you something. You and I are not all wise. Now, we're going to get this person. You know what he told her? Ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. In other words, Eve, if you do what I tell you, you won't need God to tell you what's right and wrong. You can decide it yourself. So anytime that he's pulling me out with his deceptions, more subtle, subtle. He knows my flesh likes rebellion. He knows my flesh wants to live its life. So he's dangling his bait out there, removing me from the authority of God's word or making me pick and choose what I want that fits how I really want to live anyway. Instead of the whole counsel of God. So you have this denial. This is the ultimate lie. He said, you should not surely die. The the ultimate lie is, there's no hell. You're not going to give judgment for anything. Here, let me give you another lie. Oh, God's a God of grace and love. He he has no problem with what I'm doing. His lie is that you can sin, which is transgression of the word of God, and get by with it. Eve, you can eat this and get by with it. Look around. Hey, look around you. There are people living in vile, wicked sin and they're getting by with it apparently to you right now and you know it. There are people who are just, I mean, got by with everything. Think of Hillary. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I'm just saying that you can look around if you want to. There's people that are getting by and Satan will tell you, listen, it's not going to cost you to cheat. It's not going to cost you to lie or to be crooked in business. Or, you know, to lie a little bit here and lie a little bit there and deceive a little bit here, there. It's not going to cost you anything. God's lied to you. Or a preacher got up and preached about hellfire and brimstone and they tell you the fear and the wrath of God. Yeah, that ain't true. Look around. There's people living in sin. They're getting along great. I mean, they got 500 acres of land and, you know, they're drinking fifth whiskey every day and living with the 14th wife. And she's not even married to her. Cheat everybody. And they're getting along great. That's his lie. He takes away the consequences of sin in the mind and the heart of people. That's what you've got in America right now. Denies the need of the word of God. Denies the authority of the word of God. Denies the accountability of us to the word of God. And that deception and that doubt casting and that denial leads to the great one. The delusion. Verse number five. Look at it. Three, five. Here's what he told her after he had got her to buy into his lie. He give her this huge delusion. And this is exactly where America's at today. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof. Now that little expression, God doth know. The insinuation of that is he's, he's hiding from you. He, he doesn't want your best. God's holding out on you. I mean, you know, he's, he's just making life miserable for you. God doth know in the day ye eat thereof that you shall what? Ye shall be as God's. And what's the result of you thinking you're a God? You know good and evil. Hey, you don't need this Bible to tell you what's right and wrong. You're a God. 
You can decide what's right and wrong for you. This is exactly where America's at today because America has bought into the satanic lie that we don't need the Bible in our government. We don't need the Bible in our schools. We don't even hardly need the Bible in our churches. This is just a feel good, I mean, buddy club. Put up Isaiah 14, 12 through 17. Isaiah 14, 12 through 17. I want you to watch this right here. And if this is not a picture of America, O Lucifer, uh, thou art fallen from heaven. O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, watch this, I will ascend into heaven. I will, be, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet, verse 15, thou shalt be brought down to hell. Anytime, here was Satan's whole deal. He wanted to be God. I'm going to call the shots. I'll determine what's right. I'll determine what's wrong. And God will be off his throne. And what Satan does, what did he do with Eve? The exact same thing he was doing himself, making himself out to be God. So he said, I'll make, I'll ruin man by making man think they're God. And you may say, well, Reggie, I don't believe that. I'm telling you something. You can watch this. You can still profess a God of the Bible, a God of the universe, but still make yourself to be a little God that has really has authority over him. If it comes down to it. You say, Reggie, what are you talking about here? This, go to Isaiah chapter 5, verse 21. When you get to the end of the book of Judges, anybody know the last phrase in the book of Judges? Anybody know it? Every man did that, which was right, how? In his own eyes. It's exactly what Eve, Satan got Eve to do. And here's the trick this morning in this church house. If God can get you in a state of mind where you're the one deciding what you'll obey and who's the authority in your life, what's sin and what's not sin, what's acceptable. If he can get you to do that, he got you. It's a whole trip. Let's look at Isaiah 5, 20 through 21. Woe unto them that are wise, where? In their own eyes. And prudent, where? In their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine. We need to get that. Where's the verse in there, brother? Uh, uh, let me go to Isaiah 5. There's some more than I want to get. Hang on just a minute. 520. See if I can get the deal here. Well, we'll find it somewhere. I want to get the one. Where's the one about where, woe unto them about evil and good? Somebody help me out on that. Huh? Isaiah 5. Okay, I'm sorry. Here we go. Woe unto them that do what? Call evil good. Now, let's stop just a second. What's this word mean? That's extreme, extreme warning and condemnation. When God says, the old timers, stop. Woo. And it's, it's a word that has extreme heaviness that God is telling us, woe. And a woe is a, it's like it's involved in a curse, a terrible. You're doing great damage to yourself. You're destroying yourself. Watch this. Woe unto them that call evil good. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes 
and prudent in their own sight. And it goes on down through. It'd be good to read that whole chapter of Isaiah because he's describing Israel in that day before God put him into captivity. You see, Rachel, what's going on? This is the core of all false religions. They'll make you out to be God. You're the determiner whether you go to heaven or hell, how good you live. Or like the Mormons, see, they believe they'll become gods. And they'll have a planet and they'll have, they're like the Muslims. They want to have 4,000 wives. They'll have all these celestial children. It's the craziest bunch of out of hell junk you ever read. All because why? What, What do you think? What do you think the Book of Mormon? How many want to ask you a question? Who do you, do you think they put more stock in the Book of Mormon or in the Bible? I can tell you flat out, they put the stock in the Book of Mormon, not the Bible. They packed the Bible around to impress you and make you, it's a deception to make you think they believe the Bible. But they don't. But it's amazing how distinctly it is just right there and, and the whole nine yards is you shall be as God's. Now watch this, religious leaders even. We decide what the Bible teaches and we want all of our denominational churches to follow it. Ye shall, the denominational leaders, ye shall be as gods. You know what's the right and wrong. Now you poor old dummies out there in the country in your churches, you just keep sending the 10% to headquarters. We'll tell you what to preach, what not to preach. There are denominations in this country that literally send the messages to their pastors every week telling them what to preach. This is your outline. You say, Reggie, by the way, this is the core of American education. You shall be as God's. We don't need a Bible. You don't need the God of the Bible to know right from wrong. You're God. Humanism. You decide what's right and wrong. A rejection, whether it's practical or just mental, of the Holy Bible and preserved word of God as the final and absolute rule, measurement for faith and practice, brings terrible delusion and results. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. The practical results of it is that there's no fear of God in their eyes because he's not an authority. There's no punishment for crime. It's crazy in America right now that if you're a criminal, they treat you like a victim. Remember that while ago, evil, call evil good and good evil. If you're a victim, you're almost like you're, you almost got to prove that the crime occurred. Everything's backward. We, we punish, we have no punishment for crime. By the way, I want to throw something to you. Jails are, penitentiaries are unscriptural. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to send a man for life imprisonment or five years or 20 years to a penitentiary. The Bible has three forms of punishment for crime. Number one is recompense, another restitution. If you stole or you damaged property, there's a certain amount of multiples that you're to restore in order to absolve yourself of that crime, that civil crime. Then there's stripes on the back, and it would be 40 less one. Let me just tell you something right now. I could empty out Hartville Jail in two days. Number one, force them to go to work and re- repay what they stole, or what, if that's it. Or if it's a, that which is not of that nature, give them stripes. You tie an old boy up to a tree out there on the car, courthouse law and take his shirt off. Yep. And you take a bullwhip 
and whip him. And, but you know what's wild? Most Americans think that's inhumane when leaving him in a pen to rot and to learn how to commit crime and to be sexually assaulted and sodomized in our penitentiaries. And you think that's sane? You're nuts. I would rather my grandchildren be whipped on the county courthouse square than to go to the penitentiary for a day. Amen. You're not fixing nothing and God knows it. But because we think we're God's and we know how to do it. God also teaches that it needs to be speedy and quick when we leave people over in the jail for a year. I've ministered over there for years in the past. And I'm telling you, there have been people there for over a year, two years in jail. Constitution talks about a speedy trial. Get it done. Get it over with. Take care of it. But if I'm going to tell you something, I can take care of the drug culture in this county. You catch somebody peddling drugs, you tie them up to a tree and whoop them. They'll get out of the drug selling business real quick. And if it's worse than that, then it's death. Restitution, stripes and death. That's Bible punishment. But we're paying out the ears and tax money for an education system that is destroying our own faith, paying for a penal system that is perpetuating crime. Not finishing it, not solving it. We condemn the innocent. We butcher babies and protect eagles and turtles and squirrels. We call evil good and good evil. We codify sin into the legal law, same-sex marriage, sodomy, pedophiles, transgenders, and cross-dressers. There's a false balance in the scale of America's justice system. My sin doesn't weigh much, but yours is awful heavy. We are idolaters. We worship the denominations and the leaders, and they tell you what parts of the Bible to believe or not to believe. We worship our spouses and our children more than we do God like they did in the Old Testament. And nothing I do is really sin to account of anything. I am my own God. We have selective obedience about marriage, about children, about pleasure and entertainments, our business ethics, our dress and appearance. I am God. I will determine what I do and the whole nine yards. Nobody tells me the Bible is not an authority over me. Oh, I walk into church and act like I'm a Christian and I want to serve God. Truth about it is, you're no more Christian than a goat is. Because you are your own God. You will say what you think is right and what's wrong. And you're going to do it. And, I don't, and, if, and, and if it goes against the word of God, you could care less. If I came in here next week wearing women, wearing a dress, would somebody think there's something a little bit wrong with me? Yeah. But I want to ask you, where did you what, what makes you think something be wrong with me if I wore a dress in here? Where do you get the authority to say I shouldn't wear a dress? The Tell me. The Bible. A man shall not wear that which appertains to a woman. Amen. For all that do, all that do are an abomination to God. Amen. It's not what you think, it's what the Bible says. That's the authority. If I come in here doing that, how many think with a little bit of something wrong? Man, Reg is rock, says rocker. I knew he was crazy. <laughs> if I take a drill bit, drill a hole through my ear and come in here with a little fake diamond rear ring, walk behind the pulpit next week with that, how many of you think there might be something going on in Reggie's life? Yeah. Yeah. How, come it's all, how come you think that about me, but you don't think that about yourself? When the Bible says what? If I come in here next week with a little tattoo on my forehead saying, I love Jesus. Yeah. You put any stock in that? I'll tell you, this country's sinking. You know why? Because we've got preachers that won't say a word about it to nobody about nothing. All they're interested in is getting their little check next week and make sure the heat's on their house. Yeah, 
You walk in and say, Reggie, you have a biblical basis for that. You bet. The Bible said that I'm not to make marks in my body. That's Bible. It ain't my opinion. But we got kids growing up and all they're seeing is, is you know, drill a hole in your ear and, and, and do this and do that. And mark yourself up. Look like a heathen come out of some pagan island somewhere. Amen. You say, I like that kind of preaching. You're a long way from being the first one that didn't like my preaching. Long way. And I'm preaching the Bible to you. Amen. Amen. This church is the first church revolving door. They come and they go. They come and they go. Amen. Some of them stay. If I come in here next week, my hair spiked up and colored blue and orange, what would you think, Brett? You're crazy. Yeah, you're crazy. You know what you think? You're disobedient to the word of God. You're in worldliness. Dye my hair. Spike it up, cut half of it off, butch. Tell me, you teenagers, what am I up to? Tell me. Be honest. Tell me what I'm up to. It's rebellion. It's rebellion. It is worldliness. I come in here with a big, you know, my earring hanging off my left ear. My hair spiked and dyed. Wearing the dress. Sodomite. Effeminate. The Bible clearly said the effeminate shall not inherit. If you love those people, somebody tell them the truth. If you love them, get honest with them. You say here, well, maybe you don't believe the truth, though. That's why you never say nothing. That's why you don't take a stand on the job. You don't take a stand nowhere. Because you really don't love people. You think this kind of preaching makes me popular? You think this makes people want to, oh, let's go to Liberty Faith Church? No. You you think I'm saying it because I'm mean? I'm mad at somebody? No. Let me tell you something. The authority of God's word is what counts. If I come in here next week with a black, I mean, black pantyhose looking things. Hey, showing my rear end, showing my crotch. Some of you ain't got enough sense. You, You got enough sense. You just won't be your own God. That's your problem. Nobody, not God is not going to tell you how to dress. You women dressing like men, I'm going to tell you something, cross-dressing started in this country after World War II. Yes, you can go back before World War II, look at your great-grandma and grandma's pictures. You don't see her walking around a pair of skin-tight jeans with everything showing. You don't see them walking around a set of black pantyhose. It's quiet in here. I'm preaching now. I'm talking about this is Genesis chapter 3. And I'll tell you what the devil did. The lie that he deceived them with was that you can pick and choose and God's not an authority. The Bible's not accurate. Things change over time. We're in a new generation. We're, oh, you've got all kinds of excuses why you can oh, disobey the word of God. Amen. We commit adultery. Fornication, porn heads, and think God's all right with it. Then we're angry, snapping turtles, greedy, unthankful, unholy, mock holiness. God help this place. You say, I'm God. I know what's good and evil. I'm going to be making up my own mind about it. Let me just tell you something. He starts off with a deception. He goes then with doubt casting on the Bible. Then he denies the word of God and he deludes them and thinking they can decide for themselves what's right or wrong. 
Let me tell you about this. And I, and I don't, I just, I can't believe that I have lived long enough now to have to preach on this kind of junk. But you see what people want. They do not want a God in heaven that has authority over them, tells them how to live. This whole movement that you're seeing of sodomy and, and transgender stuff, do you know what they're saying? Listen, they're dealing with the power of creator. Do you realize that? They are literally looking and telling the world, we are God. We decide whether we're male or female. God doesn't. He's irrelevant if he is at all. But we're God. And so, but I mean, I'm just going to tell you, you know, let me throw another one at you. I, I, I just, I come in here about six, seven months. Kenny, I don't get my hair cut. And now I start putting little curls in it. Come on. Yeah, we're at church. We're having a good time. Amen. We're having a good time. I'll tell you, I'm preaching you the truth, and you know I'm preaching the truth. Right. Bible says, does not nature. You don't even need God to teach you that. Yep. And if man have long hair, it's a shame unto him. Amen. You know why? God distincts between the sexes. God said, a woman's hair is her glory. Yes, sir. And there's an attack upon our Creator, an attack upon our Redeemer, an attack upon our God. And I love you people, and I love your families. And I'm going to tell you something. You better ask yourself real quick this morning, because I'm going to meet you at judgment. That's right. I, I, I promise you this. If I was you, I'd either get in the saddle or I'd get out of here. I'm going to tell you why. Because if you don't, you'll get hard and bitter at God, and you'll wind up hating church, hating God. Am I telling the truth or not? How many of you parents know why I'm telling the truth? You'd be better off go out there and get drunk and do your drugs and do all you're going to do and hit the deck, and someday wake up and realize that somebody was trying to tell you the truth a long time ago. Oh, listen, this to me, this is one of the biggest issues. That it's the core, foundational issue of our time and of all time. Who's God? Does he have a right to tell me? I mean, do you mean to tell me he's got a right to tell me how to dress? Are you kidding me? What kind of God controlling freak God do you serve? Bunch of control freaks up there at church. Can I give you some really good news? There's a God in heaven who is controlling this whole world and who will ultimately control everything. Right. And he will bring everything into judgment. And let me tell you, when you get to judgment and you are going, it's appointed unto men wants to die and after this judgment, this book is going to be opened. And you're going to be judged out of the things written in the book. I wonder what about, get a, now I, I, let's just throw the blanket back for it. Like I said, make the cockroaches run. I've preached on all this other junk, but what about me treating my wife like dirt? What about me not loving her? What about me cheating just a little bit in business? What about me lying on my tax return? What about me constantly being bitter about things in my past and won't forgive nobody for nothing? What about me having a heart of greed that all I think about is money? Is there certain sins that we see on the surface that we did? Oh, blah, blah, blah. But those ones underneath. I'm going to say something this morning. 
I'm thankful for this past week and year. This is where we are. My daughter's been up here all week long. And I'm telling you what's up in the up in the seats are all these queers, transgenders and all this junk signs. Can am I right or not? It's pathetic what these people have had to go through this week. But I tell you, it blew me away because I had never heard of this before. And Suzanne, if you're here somewhere, you're listening. Just hang your seat. This is your daddy. My daughter had a miscarriage not too long ago, Susanna, her and Jacob. And Hannah, Susanna wanted to know, and just, I mean, young, okay, barely conceived. She asked them if they could find out whether it was a boy or a girl. They said, yep, it's a boy. This week during that debate, my daughter stood on the house the floor. She's got way more grace than I would. I ain't putting up that nonsense. That's stupidity. But she said this. We're debating about male and female and all this kind of stuff. She said, God's the one who makes male and female. She said, I had a sister who had a miscarriage just a few weeks ago and said they could identify that little tiny human being as a male. Don't try to tell us that you're God and you decide who's a male or a female. God decides it. Amen. And I want to tell you something. What, what, what we're seeing right now is it just a, it's just a blown out of proportion. We're God and we're going to tell everybody what's right and we're going to say what laws are good. I'm going to tell you something. You listen to me. What's coming. I'm in Missouri and bless God, we're going to hold the fort and we're not only going to hold the fort, but we're going to shoot outside the fort. In Washington state this week, they made a law. Governor signed it. Uh, Philip, if that boy went to a doctor's office and said he wanted a surgery to change his, quote, gender, which is impossible, you'll never be able to do that. I don't care how you butcher yourself up. You cannot make yourself something different than you are. That's deception. But Washington signed a law that if you try to intervene, you'll go to jail. They took away parents' control this week in the state of Washington of being able to stop their children from being butchered on. And you think, well, Reg, he gets real serious about preaching. You better believe it. I'm 69. I may not have another Sunday. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to fight the devil and his lies and his deception. And I th- I'm going to tell you something. We're not part of the world. I'm not part of the world. I'm not trying to please the world. I'm not trying to get the world to like me. I'm preaching the word of God. We're part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming back. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And he's God. And he sets the rules. Amen. And those rules are good for me and you. My soul almighty. What has to happen to you to get so deceived you and butcher yourself? Amen. Crazy. Amen. You say, Reggie, what happens after all that damnation? First, there's deception, doubt casting, denial, delusion, and then there's damnation. And if God hadn't stepped in, if God hadn't stepped in, they'd have busted hell wide open. God wants to step in in your life here today. You say, Reggie, what happened? He delivered them. He could coats and covered them. He's the, with the appointed substitute. It's 12.01 and I'm done preaching for this morning, but tonight we're going to follow this thing through the Bible on deception. Deception is powerful. Now I want, you to, I want you to listen to me. Probably in this church, not too many of you are deceived on the level we've been talking about. But if you're not careful, 
you'll justify leaving your spouse because the devil deceived you. If you're not careful, you'll do something that you'll justify as being okay. You know why you'll do it? Because you've made yourself your own God. Yeah. I love you. Let's sing something and stand. Amen.